I'm trying to juggle three kingdoms over here. That's the hard part. I'm trying to juggle Judah. Elijah, you going to come on up here and be the king of Judah? We've learned lots of kings of Judah. This one here happens to be today, Zedekiah. And, and I'm juggling the king of, uh, anybody guess what this might be? Lincoln? Egypt. Who wants to be the king of Egypt? Who wants to be Pharaoh this morning? Owen, you want to come on up? Can you figure out how to put that on yourself? Oh, and I'm juggling uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Who wants to be Nebuchadnezzar? And wear a cool crown. You want to be Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, you're getting volunteered. Come, come, come. Ah, oh, yes, we have some kings here. Nebuchadnezzar, there we go. Oh, let's dress these guys up just a wee bit more. You're the greatest and the most powerful here in this room. Oh, and by the way, you're not very powerful. And you think you're powerful. <laughs> We've got three mighty kings. That's where we start off. And they're going to be interacting with each other today. But you know what the big lesson we're going to learn today has to do with the king here in the middle? Zedekiah, king of Judah. Because there's another figure, we're going to meet lots of people this morning, but the main characters are here, and then we have Jeremiah. Today I'm going to play Jeremiah, and actually, he didn't have a very nice role today. But Jeremiah's been around for some time. For many years, Jeremiah has been preaching, and he's been teaching, and he has been instructing the people of Judah and he has been warning them about an event that is here we're going to learn about today. But they have ignored him. And they have refused to hear, to hearken to the word of the Lord. Because Jeremiah has been teaching them the word of the Lord, but they have not been listening. They have not been obeying. None of them at all. Today we're going to learn a little bit about Zedekiah and his relationship with Jeremiah. Zedekiah, a king who for years has rejected the word of God. And in public, he continues to reject the word of God. But I think we begin to see something happening in his own little mind and heart as it relates to the words of the Lord. But before we dive in, let's pray. Gracious God, we give thanks to you this morning for your word. We give thanks to you for these people we have learned from in history. Lord, today as we analyze Zedekiah's relationship to your word, your command, may we take heed, may we take note, and be challenged today to know you and to know your word. Help me now as I teach, I pray in your name. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Jeremiah 37. Jeremiah 37. 
As I've told you before, Jeremiah jumps all around chronologically. In fact, in Jeremiah 36, we were just in the reign of um, Jehoiakim. Now we've already had some kings pass, and now we're all the way to Zedekiah. And I hope if we could have the screen up here, could I get my screen up here? You've seen, you've seen here these names, and you see King Josiah. Josiah there at the top, and you see there right down below him to the right, you see Zedekiah. That's who we're learning about today. But already, as you remember, Jehoahaz on the far right has already been king, then Jehoiakim, then his son Jeconiah, and now it's Zedekiah. That's been the order of the kings. And that's what we learn about here in Jeremiah chapter 37, verse 1. That's how we know the chronology of this. For it says that King Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, reigned instead of Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made king in the land of Judah. So that's why I said, you're the powerful king. And he's not so powerful. Because he is actually subject to you. You made him king. And the only reason he's king is because you made him king. By the way, Nebuchadnezzar has already had some issues that we learn about, not from the Bible, but from secular recorded history, with the king of Egypt. They don't get along very well, but there's a huge distance between them. And that huge distance kind of helps you to be isolated. But you are definitely not friends with this guy. And you're really not friends with this guy either, but we'll see how that goes today. Time has gone by, and I'll tell you something that has happened. Let's again review and see where we're at in the timeline. Here, guys, you want to look up here? Here we can see Josiah. He's gone. His son Jehoahaz was carried off to Egypt, and we don't even know if he's still alive down there. Jehoiakim reigned, and then he died, and we, he, we don't even know where he's buried. And then um, Coniah, Jeconiah, was made king, and he only reigned a few months. And um, then he was carried away captive by you. You carried him to Babylon and imprisoned him in Babylon and then made his uncle king, Zedekiah. And that's who Zedekiah is. And you can see the yellow bar there. That's about where we're at today. So Zedekiah now has reigned for nine years. And after nine years of reigning, as the subject of Nebuchadnezzar, he decides, I'm done with Nebuchadnezzar being my, my lord, my, my king. I'm going to be king all by myself. And he thinks he's strong enough to do that in direct disobedience to the word of the Lord. Because you know what Jeremiah has been telling all of these kings now for almost, well, yeah, about 20 years. Submit. Submit to Nebuchadnezzar. Put your neck under his yoke. Submit to him. Let him be your king because you will serve him because you will serve him for 70 years. But you don't like that idea. Remember Jeremiah told them about the good figs and the naughty figs? Remember he said there were good figs and then there were naughty figs. Hey, you want these? You sure? How about, how about before you decide you smell them? Here's my little rotten apples. God told you and all of Judah that if you continue to rebel against him, you're, you're, you're like the naughty figs. Not good for eating. Not good for anything. 
Actually, God says that if you were good, you would submit to him. You would follow him. You would put your neck under his yoke. Look at verse 2. Jeremiah 37, verse 2. But neither he, Zedekiah, nor his servants, nor the people of the land did hearken unto the words of the Lord, which he spake by the prophet Jeremiah. They wouldn't listen. Can I tell you guys this morning, we have the word of God. Let's hearken. That means we hear, and when we hear, we obey. Let's hearken to the words of God. Now, I told you that today we're going to learn something interesting about Zedekiah. And it starts right off in verse 3. And Zedekiah the king sent a messenger who was a priest to Jeremiah. And listen, listen to what message Zedekiah wants this priest to bring to Jeremiah. Pray now unto the Lord our God for us. Hmm. Notice verse 2, and now look at verse 3. Do you hearken to the word of the Lord? Does he hearken to the word of the Lord? Yes or no? Yes or no? Does he hearken to the word of the Lord, verse 2? No, no. So why is he now sending a message to Jeremiah that Jeremiah pray unto the Lord, our God, for him? I don't know. Why would he think that now needing to pray to the Lord would make a difference? Well, let me tell you about some other things that are going on here. Remember I told you that you are his king, even though he's a king. You made him king. That means you're his king. Look here at the screen as we review where we're at. We have 606, 597, and 586 B.C. Can anyone here tell me these dates, one of them? What's the first one there? What happened in 606 B.C.? Can any of you guys tell me what happened in 606 B.C.? Do you remember what happened in 606 B.C.? Remember that date? It has something to do with the Babylonians, the captivities. You got to meet a really interesting guy in 606 B.C. His name was Daniel. In 606 B.C. was the first deportation when Daniel and his three friends were carried away captive and are in the court of Babylon. The events we're learning about today take place after 606 B.C. In fact, Zedekiah wasn't even king in 606 B.C. By the way, Daniel and some of his friends there were some of the good figs, not the naughty figs. Then in 597 B.C., anybody remember what happened in 597 B.C.? Lincoln? Second deportation, that was easy. We had the first deportation. <laughs> You're right, the second deportation. Anybody know what was significant or who, who was a part of that? Ezekiel was. Anybody else know? Who else? Hope? Mordecai? Anybody else know of any other classification of people? Yes. Yeah, the trained people, the, the skilled laborers, the tradesmen. And so that was the second deportation when 10,000 were carried away captive of the skilled in the land, and it also included Ezekiel and Mordecai. Well, guess what? What we're going to learn about today takes place after these two events. 
but only just within the last three years before 586 B.C. Now we're going to tell you ahead of the story. 586 B.C. is the total destruction of Jerusalem, the third major deportation, and when Jerusalem burns. That's 586 B.C. Now let me tell you what's going on here. It tells us here that these events are taking place, and we can know by comparing Scripture with Scripture, that these events take place in your ninth year, just a few years before 586 B.C., within the last three years of his reign. You know what happens? Zedekiah rebels against Nebuchadnezzar, and you know what Nebuchadnezzar does? You march on Jerusalem. You come to Jerusalem and you besiege the city of Jerusalem because he is rebellious. But see, just to give you a little heads up, he's been ignoring all the sermons of Jeremiah because if he were listening to the sermons of Jeremiah, he would have submitted to you, he would have obeyed you, he would continue as king. But no, instead of actually listening to, obey, uh, to Jeremiah, he does the exact opposite. He rebels against you. But you know what else he did when he rebelled against you? He hired that guy. He contracted the king of Egypt to come and help him. So what's going on here in verse 3 is that Jerusalem has been surrounded by Nebuchadnezzar's army, the Chaldeans, another name, tribal name for the Babylonians. Jerusalem is trapped. Food is scarce, there's trouble, there's death, there's pestilence, there's disease, there's starvation in the city of Jerusalem. And you, I think, begin to regret your decision. I think he begins to regret ignoring the word of the Lord through Jeremiah. Even though he's got Egypt on his side. Now here this is interesting too. He has called for Egypt to come and help him in exact and specific disobedience to the word of the Lord. The Lord has told them, don't hire Egypt. And so you know what? He goes and hires Egypt. And then look at verse 3. He has the audacity to send a messenger to Jeremiah and say, oh, please pray for us. Zedekiah is desperate, but he still has a problem with his relationship with the Lord. But at the same time, I think we start to see that down, 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 deep inside of Zedekiah, he knows Jeremiah's right. He knows that the Lord is right, and he knows he ought to obey God. But I'm going to give you a little bit of heads up. He's afraid. And you know what's interesting? He seems to be more afraid of his own princess and his own servants than he is of Nebuchadnezzar, than he is of Jeremiah, than he is of the Lord. Now pray unto the Lord our God for us. Now at this time we find out in verse 4 that Jeremiah is still at liberty. I'm still free. 
why is that a big deal? Well, because if you know the rest of the story of Jeremiah, I end up in prison. In fact, I sample all the bridges in Jerusalem. But at this time, I'm still free. Yes, I've spent some time in the stocks, but I'm out. I'm free to go here and there. And so now these messengers come to Jeremiah. The army of Pharaoh is on a move. And it's almost as if you know that Pharaoh is moving, and you are, I know I'm reading into this a little bit, but for over and over and over, Jeremiah is saying, don't trust in Egypt. Now Egypt is on the move. Jerusalem is besieged. You've got him besieged. You're trapped. You're starving. But he's on his move. And news comes to you that he's moving, that he's coming. And that's when you send this messenger to pray for us. I wonder if, Jer if, if he's thinking, Jeremiah, pray that our disobedience to the Lord would work out. Now, now, now some of you kind of scoffed at that. Yeah, I do too. But you know, sometimes we act the same way. We ought not to, but sometimes we act the same way. And that's what's going on with Zedekiah here. Pray for us that our disobedience would all work out. Because I know you've told us not to hire Egypt, but we did. And Egypt's on their way. So pray to the Lord. Pray to the Lord for us. So it tells us in verse 5 that then was Pharaoh's army come forth out of Egypt. And when the Chaldeans that besieged Jerusalem heard tidings of them, they departed from Jerusalem. So here you hear him coming. You go away. You want to go sit down over there. And you come. And I don't know if you come all the way to Jerusalem. I don't know how this all history works out. It's not recorded in the Bible. There are some details in secular history, but he goes away. Oh, the disobedience works. Did it? Then came the word of the Lord unto the prophet Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Thus shall ye say unto the king of Judah, That sent you unto me to inquire of me. So here, I have been sent to, to pray for you. And now, the Lord has given me a message to bring to you. It's in verse 7. Behold, Pharaoh's army, which has come forth to help you, shall return into their own land. And the Chaldeans shall come again and fight against the city and take it and burn it with fire. Thus saith the Lord, deceive not yourselves, saying, the Chaldeans shall surely depart from us, for they shall not depart for though ye had smitten the whole army of the Chaldeans to fight against you, and there remained but wounded men among them, yet should they, the wounded men, rise up every man in his tent and burn this city with fire. Did you hear that? God tells Zedekiah, yes, indeed. Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldeans, they've left. But they're coming back. 
And what you thought is your hope, you thought that Egypt's going to save you, you thought they were going to help you, they're going to go back to their own land. They're going to be of no help, and he's going to come back. And even if you beat them, and you, you make all of his army as but wounded or dead men, the poor wounded guys, I mean, you guys ever seen wounded men? I don't think any of you actually have. You may, you may be seen actors play wounded men. But I mean, wounded men don't rise up and fight against a city and burn it. They're kind of stuck. But God says, even if you beat these guys, your judgment is so sure that the wounded men are going to get up from their tents and they're going to come in and burn your city. That's how sure you can be the destruction is coming. Now you know why Zedekiah didn't like Jeremiah. But yet, let's keep following Zedekiah and the word of the Lord. Because here now, you have come and you scared away the Chaldeans. Thank you. You go back to Egypt. All done. He's gone. He's gone. Hey, let's go find some food. I especially am hungry. Are you hungry? Well, so Jeremiah goes to the gate of Benjamin, which was the northern gate of the city, a gate that went out to the tribe of Benjamin. And Jeremiah, he's going to leave Jerusalem because you're not outside anymore. You're not going to do him any harm. And so Jeremiah starts to make his way. He's going to leave Jerusalem. And as he's coming to the gate of Benjamin, uh, he, he's, he's going to leave. Thou fallest away from the Chaldeans. Huh? It is false. I fall not away to the Chaldeans. He thinks I'm a traitor. He thinks I'm trying to go join the Chaldeans. You don't know this yet, but soon I'm going to start telling everybody to go join the Chaldeans, not to fight against you, but to go submit to them. I'm just leaving the city. Can't a guy leave the city? No. They're convinced that if I leave the city, I'm falling away. That means I'm being a traitor to join the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar. And this, this captain of the guard here, he, the ward there, he, he's not going to let that happen. So he, he takes me. Even though I protest and say that it's false and tell him I'm not falling away, he wouldn't hearken to me. So he takes me and he brings me to the princess. And you know what the princes do to me? I haven't got recruited any princes to do this to me today. I had a rough enough time a few weeks ago. You know what they do? They beat me up just because I'm trying to go outside the city. The princes, it says they smote him, and they put me in prison. And here, this is a prison that's in the house of Jonathan the scribe, for they had made that the prison. You know what? As we start to find out that the conditions of this house of the scribe probably weren't necessarily so bad. But boy, were the prison keepers cruel. This is not. I told you, Jeremiah gets a sampling of all the prisons in the city. This is not the one you want to go to. I can assure you of that. So here now, I'm trying to leave. Just leave the city. I get stopped by this guy, treated as a tra traitor, and I get beat up, and I get thrown in the prison by the princess of Judah. I get thrown into a dungeon, into the inner parts of this dungeon, 
Jerusalem, you see, is built on a, on a mountain, a stone mountain. And so there's all kinds of things dug down in and into this mountain. And we don't know which one, but one of those is apparently where I was thrown. And I remained there many, many days. Just because I was trying to go out. Out of the city. To Benjamin. Now I'm in prison. Thank you. Really not, but thank you. Now, here's what is interesting. He has already heard for nine years as king, and many years, his entire life, actually, I believe, has heard the word of the Lord from Jeremiah. And he has chosen year after year after year after year after year to not hearken, to not listen, to not obey, to disobey. But many days pass by. Many days pass by. And look what it says in verse 17. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah out. Brings me to his house. And in his house, he wants to talk with me and he wants to meet with me secretly. I wonder, are you perhaps being like Nicodemus? Do you all remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a man who was a prince. In a way, he wasn't really a prince. He, he was a leader among the Jews in the days of Jesus. And lots of his colleagues didn't like Jesus, but um, he knew there was something different about Jesus. I remember he met with Jesus one time by night in secret. <gasps> Are you like him? I wonder. I wonder if maybe he's like Nicodemus. What do you think? He's called me out of the prison to his home, and there's going to be a secret meeting. And listen, remember, this is the guy who has repeatedly not hearkened to the Lord. He has absolutely disobeyed the Lord. And here now, he brings me out of prison, and he brings him to his house secretly. And listen to what he wants to know. Is there any word from the Lord? That's weird. Do you think he really cares about what the Lord has to say? In fact, it's kind of interesting. He knows what the Lord has said. And he doesn't hearken and he doesn't obey it. Hmm? Is there any word from the Lord? There is. There is. Thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Well, guess what? Jeremiah's a smart guy. I don't know what Zedekiah responded to that word. There's no record of what he said, what he did. But Jeremiah takes advantage of this little secret meeting to appeal regarding his plight. And he asks the king, for verse 18, it says, Moreover, Jeremiah said unto King Zedekiah, What have I offended against thee, or against thy servants, or against this people, that ye have put me in prison? 
where are now your prophets, which prophesied unto you, saying, the king of Babylon shall not come against you, nor against this land? Where are they? Therefore now hear, I pray thee. O my Lord, the king, let my supplication, I pray thee, be accepted before thee, that thou cause me not to return to the house of Jonathan the scribe, lest I die there. And guess what? Zedekiah is, now hearkens to this word of the Jeremiah, and he does not send him back to Jeremiah's house, or not to, to, to Jonathan's house, that terrible, awful place. Instead, he says that he's to be kept in the court of the prison. That's a nice place. Still a prison, but at least I get fresh air. And not only that, but I get sent to the court of the prison, and I also, um, something else is said to be done for me. Give him daily a piece of bread out of the baker's street. Now, that's a big deal. You know, in a lot of jails and prisons throughout history, do you know the only way they ate is if people on the outside had compassion for them and brought them food? There are prisons even still today around the world where the only way you eat is if people on the outside bring you bread. This is pretty impressive. Zedekiah is actually doing something that wasn't necessarily common in his day as he is ordering that Jeremiah be fed. Did you see what he gets fed every day? A piece of bread. How many of you want to be Jeremiah? But yet, let me tell you, you know what else is now going on in this city? He came back. I think that's the reason why Zedekiah secretly called for Jeremiah. It's because Jeremiah's words had come to pass, and he's back with an army besieging Jerusalem, and food is again starting to run out. Which is also incredible that in spite of the food starting to run out, that Zedekiah shows to Jeremiah mercy. I'm in jail. I'm in the court of the prison. Thank goodness I'm not down in the hole somewhere. I'm in the court. And it doesn't tell us exactly what's going on here. But in chapter 38, in verse 1, we find some princes of the land who have been hearing Jeremiah preach. You ever heard of somebody preaching from jail? Well, Jeremiah did. And I don't know exactly how he did it. It doesn't tell us. But I imagine that amongst the prisoners he was preaching, and I imagine that he went to the gate of that courtyard, to the, that prison, or maybe he was up over the wall, and um, was shouting out, and people were hearing him. Maybe he was locked down inside the, inside the walls, and he was just shouting out to the passerbyers on the other side of the wall. I don't know how it worked out. We don't know exactly what the situation was. But we do know that Jeremiah still was preaching, and he was being heard, not only by prisoners, but by people in the city, including some princes. Listen to what he's telling them. Thus saith the Lord. Now imagine you're going grocery shopping. Of course, there's nothing to buy at the grocery stores because there's a famine and because uh, he's trapped all the food from coming in from the outside. But imagine you're going grocery shopping, hoping to find something on the shelves, and you're walking by the jail, and you hear Jeremiah. And you probably have already heard Jeremiah. And listen to what he's saying. He's saying, Thus saith the Lord. He that remaineth in the city shall die by the sword by famine, and by the pestilence. 
but he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live, for he shall have his life for a prey and shall live. Thus saith the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Now, what would you do if you heard Jeremiah saying that? Now, keep in mind, there have been many prophets in Jerusalem who have been saying he'd never come. Who've been saying that, in fact, all the things he carried away in the beginning are all going to come back. Well, already, that time has passed. And everything you know and you've heard Jeremiah say before has come to pass. You've seen it come to pass. And now, you might be on your way to the grocery store to buy nothing because there's nothing at the grocery store. Hungry. And you hear Jeremiah again. Hey, go to the Chaldeans. Flee. Leave the city. He's actually telling them to do what he got arrested in the first place for. Not that they were to be traitors, but to go forth as prey. And Jeremiah says that they may live. And he's telling the whole city this. Just so you know, as we keep continuing to read and learn more of history, especially Jeremiah's book of Lamentations, those who didn't hear the word of Jeremiah and hearken to it and obey lived miserable lives and died miserable lives in pestilence, by famine, and by sword. That means they either starved to death, they got sick, terrible diseases, and died because of the, the siege, or they were killed by the sword. Well, there were some people who heard this, and they didn't like it. They were princes. And they heard this word of Jeremiah. Jeremiah locked up in jail. You'd think that would take care of things, right? Locked up in jail. But these princes don't like it. And they come to Zedekiah the king. We beseech thee, let this man be put to death, for that he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remain in this city. In the hands of the people, and speaking such words unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of the people, but the hurt. For the king is not he that can do anything against you. Ah. We just got a little hint into Zedekiah's world. They've come to Zedekiah, these princes to demand my death, my death. They're claiming that what I'm saying is shouting from the prison, the court of the prison, is not for the good of the people and that I ought to die. They come to the king basically demanding that I die. And look what the king says to them. Behold, he is in your hand. For the king is not he that can do anything against you. Ah, uh, we get a little glimpse about your dilemma. You're weak. You're afraid of your own princes. You're afraid of your own subjects. What can he do? 
hey, hey, don't go away yet, Mr. Prince. Now, how do you think he's going to kill me? How do you think these princes are going to kill Jeremiah? They're not going to take him and just nice and quick and easy kill me. They're going to let me sample yet another prison. A pit. A dark, cold, murky, mucky, ugly pit. They take Jeremiah, they bring me to this pit, and they lower me down into this pit. And you all know what was at the bottom? There wasn't a bed down there. There wasn't a, a recliner. When I got to the bottom, Jeremiah, it says that there was no water in the bottom. Instead, there was muck. There was mire. I don't think I want to explain exactly what that was. But you can imagine. He was put into the sewers. To put it bluntly, he was put into some guy's septic tank. Yeah. That's the way you're going to kill me. How many of you want to die that way? Not me. Not me. Not me. I don't want to die in some guy's septic tank. Forgotten. Starving to death there. No food. For it tells us in verse 6 that they took Jeremiah and they cast him into the dungeon. Micaiah, the son of Hamelech, that was in the court of the prison. They let down Jeremiah with cords, and in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. But you know what? There's somebody else that was there. There was an Ethiopian. Go away. They're done with me. The king has said, do what you want with him. Isn't that what he said? Behold, he is in your hand. And so they take me and they throw me down into a pit. And I sink into the mire. But you know, Zedekiah, you, you have a faithful servant. There is an Ethiopian who serves the king. His name is Zebednalek, a servant to the king. He was one of the eunuchs in the king's house, and he heard that they had put me, Jeremiah, in the dungeon. He knew that the king was sitting in the gate of Benjamin. He was sitting in the point of justice, the place where the ruling and governing of the city took place. Keep in mind that this is still a troublous time. He still has the city now besieged. Yes, he went away, but he's back. And so, Ebed-Melech went forth out of the king's house, and he spake to the king. Anybody want to play this guy's part? Hey, Shamar, you want to play the, the Ethiopian? Yeah, come here. He, he comes to the king sitting in the gate. This is a character fit. Actually, you're going to find out here, Jeremiah and I, you're the only good guy here. 
in the whole story. You're the one good guy. You don't like the fact that they've thrown me in the jail. Now, I don't know if your ancestors came from Ethiopia, but maybe, right? Yeah, you don't know. So he sees this all. So you know what he does? He goes to the king who's sitting in the gate of Benjamin, the place of justice. And you know what you tell him? You tell him, this isn't right. You tell him, this ain't right. These men have done evil. What they've done to Jeremiah the prophet. They've cast him into this dungeon. He's going to die there of hunger. For there is no bread in the city. You think he's going to listen to you? You think he's going to listen to him? Well, Zedekiah gets this message from Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, one of his most trusted servants. And listen to what he says. Take from hence 30 men with thee and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he die. Poor guy. So you know what this man does? He goes and he takes 30 men from the treasury of the king's house. And he's going to stand up to those princes. He's going to stand up to those guards. He comes in. He basically does a jailbreak. These 30 men in him bust into the jail, bust into the court of the prison. They take some rags from the treasury and they lower them down. They tell, he tells Jeremiah, put them around your arms and you know what they do? They hoist Jeremiah up, 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 out of that pit, out of that jail, and Jeremiah is free. No, he's not. <laughs> he's free from the pit. He just gets to stay in the court of the prison where he was at the beginning. So now, yes, indeed, is things doing better? Do you think Zedekiah is starting to actually care about Jeremiah? I think he's right. Thank you. Now what's going to happen? Boy, Jeremiah is sampling all the jails, all the prisons, all the pits. <clears throat> now he's back in the court. And look at verse 14, Jeremiah chapter 38, 14. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah the prophet unto him into the third entry that is in the house of the Lord. This is getting interesting. Zedekiah wants to talk to Jeremiah again. Hey, you're weird. He's refused over and over and over to hear the word of the Lord. Ignored it. He's really kind of behaved himself as a coward. And now he's actually calling for me to come with him into the house of the Lord. Oh! A public place, a public place. What are people going to think of you? So that's what happens. Jeremiah brings me to the house of the Lord. And here, listen to this conversation. I will ask thee a thing. Hide nothing from me. If I declare it unto thee, Wilt thou not surely put me to death? And if I will, 
And, and if I give thee counsel, wilt thou not hearken unto me? As the Lord liveth, that made us this soul, I will not put thee to death, neither will I give thee into the hand of these men that seek thy life. Do you think I can trust them? Let me give you some hint. I can't trust him. But it doesn't matter. I still am going to tell him the truth. Even if he does kill me. Even if he does deliver me into the hand of those that will kill me. And even if he will not hearken to my counsel. Jeremiah still spoke the truth. Thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts. If thou wilt assuredly go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, then thy soul shall live, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and thou shalt live in thine house. But if thou wilt not go forth to the king of Babylon's princes, then shall this city be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire and thou shalt not escape out of their hand. I am afraid of the Jews that are fallen to the Chaldeans, unless they deliver me into their hand, and they mock me. They shall not deliver thee. Obey. Obey, I beseech thee, the voice of the Lord, which spake unto thee so that it shall be well with thee, and thy soul shall live. But if thou refuse to go forth, this is the word of the Lord that the Lord hath shown me. And behold, all the women that are left in the king of Judah's house shall be brought forth to the king of Babylon's princes. And these women shall say, Thy friends have set on thee and have prevailed against thee. Thy feet are sunk in the mire, and they are turned away back so shall they bring out all thy wives and thy children to the Chaldeans, and thou shalt not escape out of their hand, but shalt be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon, and thou shalt cause this city to be burned with fire. He has an option. He can go forth to the princes of Nebuchadnezzar outside besieging his city, and he can surrender. He's afraid of the Jews who have already been the traitors and, fallen and obeyed the counsel of Jeremiah and gone out to the Babylonians. He's afraid that they'll fall on him. He won't even get to the Babylonians. He's afraid. But Jeremiah says, don't be afraid. Obey. He warns him, if you don't obey, your wives will be taken out of the city and they'll fall into the sewer ditches outside this city with your children. They'll sink into that mire. Dead. Obey the voice of the Lord. Do you think Zedekiah will obey? I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up. He doesn't. He doesn't obey. In fact, he is terrified of the Jews 
not only those outside, but those inside. Because here now, this isn't a secret little conversation. It's a private conversation, but it ain't a secret conversation. It's taking place in the temple. Everyone can see them talking. And everybody's going to be wondering, what were they talking about? So they cook up this little plot that they're actually just talking about jail conditions. And they did talk about jail conditions. But it was to keep it all a secret as to what was really going on. We just have a minute left. But I'd like to jump through some history regarding Zedekiah. Later on, we're going to learn about a prophecy Jeremiah makes regarding this king. Jeremiah will shortly prophesy that Zedekiah shall see the king of Babylon. That prophecy was fulfilled. He saw the king of Babylon. In fact, the last thing he saw were his five sons being executed by the king of Babylon. Jeremiah prophesied that he would go to Babylon, but he would not see Babylon. You might say, that's strange. How could he go to Babylon and not see Babylon? Well, just after the last thing that he saw, his sons executed, his own eyes were gouged out, and he was carried in chains to Babylon. So the prophecy of Jeremiah was fulfilled. He would not see Babylon, but he would be carried away to Babylon. And then Jeremiah made another statement in his prophecy. He said that Zedekiah would die in peace. What does that mean? Die in a faraway land, the prisoner of the great king of Nebuchadnezzar and his family? Die there in a foreign land? Would that be dying in peace? You know, I think we have begun to see here in Jeremiah 37 and 38 a man who has begun to actually consider the words of the Lord. He's not humbled himself. He's not obeyed. He resists all the way until he's carried away. Many years he remains as a captive in a dungeon. But Jeremiah said he would die in peace. What does that mean? You know what I, I it means that he died in peace. Was it just physical peace or was it also spiritual peace? I don't know. But I hope one day to meet this stubborn, rebellious king in heaven. Because though there's no sure evidence of it, other than the hint that the prophecy would be that he would die in peace, did he die in peace with God? Perhaps you struggle with the word of the Lord. Perhaps you struggle with hearkening, with obeying the word of the Lord. Are you at peace with God? Don't be like Zedekiah. Life was hard for him because he wouldn't hearken to the word of the Lord. He wouldn't obey. But are you at peace with God? Jesus has done everything needed so that we can be at peace with God. Jesus became one of us. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus was buried. He suffered for us. He died for us. He was buried for us. But he rose again so that he could give us life, so that he could re reconcile us, give us peace with God. 
when we believe in him and he lives inside of us. Are you at peace with God? Don't wait like I think Zedekiah did. Humble yourself before God and his truth and what he says about your sin today and obey the gospel. The gospel is Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believe the gospel. Have peace with God. And if you've already been redeemed, walk day by day continuing to trust and obey. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jeremiah. We thank you for the word that he has given to Zedekiah and to us. Obey. Obey the voice of the Lord. May we obey your voice this day. We pray in your name. Amen.